Welcome to Hashtag Love Yourself. I'm your host, Jesse Jobson, and I'm going to guide you on your personal journey towards self-love. Hi, my beautiful souls. Welcome back to Hashtag Love Yourself. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the heal process. And the heal process is about healing our inner child. And I know that we did a previous podcast on um, our inner child and how important it is to do that work. So today I'm going to give you a heck of an episode and we are going to jump head first into healing that um, beautiful inner child of yours. So let's get going because this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a juicy podcast episode. Okay. Um, so in previous episodes, I think in like several episodes, I have spoken um, about and mentioned the book uh, Healing Your Lost Inner Child by Robert Jackman. Um, this book is an amazing book. Um, I'd have to say that like a large part of my healing within the last year has come from this book. Um, when people ask me for advice, when people ask me, um, you know, how I've done some of the stuff that I've done, um, I reference this book on the regular. I, I suggest it to every single person that is working on themselves. Um, and like we know, like we've talked about in almost every episode, that the whole world is wounded, right? All of us have wounds. All of us have childhood trauma. There's not one person on this planet that doesn't have that. We all have different levels of childhood trauma. The spectrum is going to be different. You know, placement, where you're going to be on that spectrum is going to be different for everyone. That's our individuality. But as a whole, if you're a human living on this earth, you have childhood trauma and you have wounds. There is not one person on this planet that does not have any of those, right? Because you wouldn't have come to earth. Like that is one of the reasons why we come to earth is to experience life at its fullest, to bump our knees, to get those scrapes, those emotional wounds, and then to learn how to grow past it, to learn how to live with love versus living in the wound and in the pain, right? So, um, so yeah, so this book, um, just to kind of give a quick synopsis for anybody that's super interested, um, like I said, I fully support anybody who's doing any self-love really does need to focus on, um, healing their wounds and their triggers. And that's what healing your inner child is, right? Like that's what that's all about. Um, and Robert Jackman, his story is that he was a therapist, um, I think, predominantly a marriage um, therapist or counselor for many, many years. And um, what he said that he noticed throughout his practice was that people would come to him, right? And although everybody else has their, you know, unique stories and, you know, unique circumstances that happened to them, he said that um, predominantly people were coming and saying that they didn't have any childhood trauma, that they had a normal childhood, everything was fine. And yet he noticed that people had the, these dysfunctional emotional responses to things. And it was almost as if like a younger version of them was trapped. And then when he, after like maybe months or years even of um, therapy, they would uncover these stories of this, you know, dysfunction and this childhood trauma that happened in their lives. And then they were, once they figured that out, then they were able to heal themselves. So what's amazing about this book is, so he put together his process, like his healing process. But what's amazing to me about this book is that like people would spend years, you know, with him or, you know, like, you know, six months with him and do exactly what's in this book. So, um, I mean, not to say that therapy isn't wonderful, right? And there's different avenues for every single person. So one destination is going to have a million different routes to get to it, right? And so I'm not saying don't go out there and get therapy, right? But what I am saying is that for people, because actually therapy is a privilege. So that's something to think about too, is that not everybody has access to those kinds of funds. And I know there was a time in my life when I didn't have the access to funds to therapy. I do thankfully now, but in the past, it wasn't an option. It just wasn't something that was um, 
something I could afford, right? It was too expensive for me. And so that is something that we have to think about that not everybody has access. So wonderful Robert Jackman wrote a book so that you could pay $14.99 or if you can find it used or maybe even in your library, um, get it even cheaper, right? Um, that you could actually do the work yourself. If you read the book and just follow the steps, you're literally doing what he helps and guides someone to do. So um, I think that, you know, it's a beautiful option. And I, being, you know, the person that is on this journey to heal myself, but also to share that beautiful information with you, I want to bring you kind of in a nutshell what this book is about so that um, you can apply some of the steps, the basic steps, and then if you decide that they are changing your life, changing you, helping you love yourself better, go out there and grab this book. Go out and do the full work, right? Um, I think this book probably took me maybe around, gosh, maybe around four, three to four months total, um, and I took a lot of, you know, time in between. So like I would read like maybe a chapter and then maybe go a couple weeks without doing it because I'm busy. I'm a mom. I have, you know, the podcast. I, I'm an author, all those different things in my life. Um, and so it really didn't take that long in the scheme of things, the, the amount of work that I've done on myself through this heal process that Jack uh, or Robert Jackman has um, laid out that is a really short timeline. Um, and so, so like I said, right today, we're going to get into the thick of it. I'm going to show you some amazing tools from this heal process that you can actually do today as you're listening to me. Um, or if you're driving or if you're, you know, you have your earbuds in while you're running or something. Um, don't worry. Um, they're really easy steps. You can probably follow them, um, you know, after just listening to me and then go do them on your own some other time. Okay, so let's kind of get into stuff. So the first thing is, to think about um, is like, how is inner child work and loving yourself? Um, like, why are those two like, they're not, they're not separate pieces, right? You can't be really fully loving yourself if you're not doing the inner child work. And this is why. Um, and I didn't understand this in the very beginning of my journey, but I'm so thankful that now, um, towards like, you know, more the thick or the end of my healing that I'm like coming to the realization that you can, you can surface heal yourself, right? You can heal minor things, but if you really want to live a life where you put yourself first, where you have healthy relationships, um, where you, you know, do what you love every day, you wake up in joy and bliss and that requires you being completely authentic, right? That requires you being completely, um, honest with yourself. That requires you to be, um, really, really present with who you are, what you want, and, um, and not just being reactive and being triggered in moments. And that's the thing I think is that when you look at a healthy verse person versus an unhealthy person, right? Um, the main difference between those two, right? There's going to be, you know, a million different um, details, you know, from one person to the next. But the main difference between a healthy person and an unhealthy person is a healthy person is aware of themselves, right? They're aware of how they react. They are more calm and more peaceful with they're not so reactive, right? Versus the unhealthy person who is getting triggered, right? Um, not knowing why, not investigating like, oh my gosh, that person said this to me. It really, really struck a chord and I'm feeling crappy. Oh, okay. Let's go ahead and have that happen tomorrow or next week. Like, I'm not going to worry about it now. I'm just going to go kick it with my friends. I'm going to go to the bar, have a drink. I'm going to spout off about it to the person that's closest to me and whine about how the world is so effed up and then not do anything to fix why it keeps happening on the regular to me, right? Like that's the unhealthy person versus the person that says, I don't want this life anymore. <laughs> like I don't want to, you know, unhealthy relationships. It doesn't feel good when someone does, you know, this on repeat to me and it's happening a lot. I need to figure out myself. I need to check in with myself. Why do I keep attracting this? Right? So inner child work is part of loving yourself. It's like an essential piece. Um, you can't really fully love yourself and live your best life if you're not doing your inner child work. So, um, my personal story, um, which I, it was so beautiful because at the time that it happened, I couldn't completely understand it. Now looking back, I just feel so, 
like I feel like my inner child is so smart. She's so knowledgeable. She's so amazing. Um, and that's how you should feel about your inner child, right? Um, so when I started this journey about a year ago, um, I asked, I did this meditation where I asked my inner child, um, I said, what do you want from me? Like, what do you need from me? Um, because at that point I only understood that I was essentially going to be like the parent that I never received, right? Like the, the mom that, um, you know, that I didn't get from my mother, right? Um, or the father pieces, you know, like filling those gaps in for myself um, that I didn't get from him. So that's all I really understood at that time. And so I asked her, you know, like, what do you want from me in meditation? And her response was that she wanted to integrate with me. And at the time, I really had no concept of what that meant. All I really knew was that kind of like, I, I like, like she wanted to merge with me. And at that time, I didn't even know if that was healthy, but I, you know, I just took her response and I wrote it down and kind of went on this journey of mine. Um, now after I've like completed this, this book and like really done the work, um, and spent so much time and energy, um, focusing on healing myself, I recognize that that is actually like the end result is that's what you want. You want to be able to integrate your inner child so that your inner child feels safe and doesn't feel like it has to um, stop the show and, and start reacting and using, using tools, emotional response, dysfunctional, emotional responses, they call them impulsive response tools, um, you, that were created back when you had your childhood trauma, right? Um, and like I said, so many people out there, um, say, you know, oh my God, I had an amazing childhood or, oh yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they don't even realize that they have abandonment. They don't realize, you know, like not having a parent, um, that is in your life is abandonment, right? Not having, um, even if you do have both parents in your life, sometimes there can be an emotional abandonment, which can be really just actually just as, or more, they say, actually, when I was doing the research with, um, a lot of therapists and counselors, they were talking about how if there is a, uh, like father figure that's present, but he's emotionally abusive, um, then it actually is kind of worse than the abandonment that um, a child actually goes through um, because it's, it's the person's there, but it has abandoned you and acts like you're not even worthy of their emotions, right? Um, so it's almost like kind of like a double whammy um, instead of just the, oh, I don't know the reason why they left, but they're not here, so I'm abandoned. Um, but either way, it's childhood trauma, right? Um, and... So abandonment is really, really common and it doesn't just have to be by our parents, right? We can have amazing parents, but, um, like one story in the book was from a young man who he was like, yeah, I didn't, you know, I had a really good mom and dad, you know, middle-class family, super happy. And he said that he couldn't think of anything that would make him like, you know, react to, in his, um, intimate relationships the way that he had. And then when they actually did the work and uncovered things, um, what he discovered was that his aunt, who he was super close with, his mom's sister, she was really, really close with him all of his childhood. And then when he became a teenager, for whatever reason in her personal mind, he, um, she started to distance herself from him emotionally. Like, um, maybe she thought he was too old to be like super close with anymore. But anyways, it, scarred him and it was trauma for him because he felt like he had done something wrong. So then he was always chasing women, trying to, trying to find their affection versus just knowing that he deserved it. Right. So, um, that's something that we can really learn from is that, um, just be like, be really honest with yourself, but also just know that there might be some things hidden that you didn't ever recognize once you're going through this process. And, um, well, the one thing that I think is beautiful that actually Robert Jackman said is that when you, um, discover something that may be like a memory that you might've suppressed or, um, that you might've, you know, like put away that you haven't really thought about or thought of it in a negative light before, um, know that Memories will only be revealed at the times that you can handle the healing of them, right? So just know that. Like sometimes you might, something might come up and you might remember something that was hard, right? Um, and I'm not talking about severe trauma, right? Like sexual abuse or things like that. Um, I'm actually going to like leave those off the table because I don't feel like, 
I feel like you need someone for those, right? Um, and if you do have any of those like really deep-seated stuff in your life, um, it's okay. Love yourself, right? We're going to love you. It's a healthy space. But maybe don't go into those individually. Um, take those um, into like a healing space with maybe someone um, more trained, right? Because um, some of this stuff is really difficult, right? So it's just really, um, it's really up to you to know like your safety and your boundaries um, and, and know that if you, you know, there are resources out there. If you feel like, you know, like, like that example I gave in the beginning, like there were times in my life, like I really didn't have the, the uh, funds to go and get therapy. Um, just know there are resources out there. There's, um, even in this book, there's actually resources in the back to, um, get some services. Um, uh, one thing that people don't recognize that you can do is you, when you go to your doctor appointments, you can actually talk to your provider and just say, um, I don't have enough money to get therapy. Um, is there a way for me to, um, get, uh, therapy services, um, because I really need them for my mental and emotional health, blah, blah, blah. Right. And sometimes they'll ask you questions, whatever. Um, I didn't know that. Um, so certain, um, insurances, I didn't know this until just recently that certain insurances, if it's a virtual, like if it's a zoom therapy, they actually don't charge you. They don't even charge you a fee. And since COVID, most um, places, they went virtual and they, they bill it differently, right? They bill it under insurance in a way different way where my insurance, where if I were to go in person, it's like, I think like 50 bucks, right? For per visit, which that's, you know, a lot of money, like for some people. And so then um, if you do it virtually, it's free. Like it's embedded in the insurance plan. So there's all these different like things that you might not know about your insurance. Take a peek if that's something that you really need. Like I said, um, like if you have some of the deep stuff, I would really suggest for you to go there. But also too, know that like you can scratch the surface on your own and then save those deep seated things for someone that can help you. But take, take a peek into the lighter things for yourself, right? Take a peek into those and start doing that. Okay. So now, um, uh, let's, let's just jump in. Cause I think that's the best way to go about this. Cause I could explain and explain and explain, but this episode's probably going to be pretty long just because of, you know, this stuff's important, right? Okay. So, um, the heal process. So one of the first things that, that the book goes over is it has you make a list of your triggers and like your unhealthy emotional responses. So if you're, if you're like just chilling at home and listening to this podcast and you want to take out a pen and paper, do it right. Um, sometimes the list, like for me, when I first started this, the, my list was pretty long, right? Um, but so, but think about it, think about, um, the times that you're triggered. So think about, you know, like when you have something happen. like, so for me, what was happening, um, would be, um, I would have like really like, like intense moments where like, okay, like maybe like, um, I was late for the bus for my kids. Right. Um, and then, um, one of the dogs, like, puked or something right in front of us. And so I was trying to clean that up, but we're already like running late to the bus. And then, um, my son's shoelace like breaks off or something, you know, like crazy stuff, like all like one. And then it's like intense, like stress because I'm like trying to get them going, trying to get them going. And then I get to the bus and the bus like has just taken off. Right. And it like almost would like send me into like a rage. Like I'm just like so frustrated. And then I'm like in, in a point where like almost not seeing red, but like, I'm just mad because I'm like, and I'm like, fuck, like, you know, like cussing from my kids and like, like how inappropriate, right? Like my kids should not be traumatized by my anger for stuff that is actually really super small. And really for me, where that came from is that's how my mom, you know, reacted to stuff. That's how um, monkey see monkey do, right? Like when things would get really intense and really stressful, um, she would freak out and who gets the, you know, burnt on those things. It's the people closest to you, right? The people that you love the most, the people that you wouldn't wish that you would harm, right? So same thing for me. It'd be like my kids would be seeing their mom 
mad and cussing and I don't really prefer my kids to, you know, not that they can't see me mad because I think it's healthy for children to be able to see an array of emotions and be able to see you healthy, healthily respond to that. But I also believe that, um, you know, like, like those things shouldn't make me so mad, right? Like I don't need to react, be so reactive to that, right? Or another example would be like someone would be so mean and say horrible things about me that weren't true. Um, most times they were just trying to push my buttons because, you know, they're unhealthy themselves. But then I would literally take that in and it would hurt me so bad and it would be so awful. And, um, and then... Um, you know, but really, where does it leave me? Like, it leaves me feeling like out of control. It makes me feel like I'm not enough makes, you know, all those moments don't feel good. So where are you being triggered? So write down your triggers. So if you're making your list right now, or if you're going to do it later. Um, so I'm going to go over kind of um, a little list of impulsive reactions um, that the book had. And this was really good because sometimes you can be like, okay, where am I, where am I doing this? Like, where are my triggers and where are these, um, uh, reactions? And this is a really good list, um, to think about. Um, so shutting down or withdrawing emotionally. So if you're doing that, know that's because you're triggered and that's your impulsive response tool and it's not healthy. Okay. Um, being super quiet. So as not to be noticed, acting passive aggressive. So as not to show your anger, Blaming someone else, getting too involved in a relationship too quickly, oversharing intimate details about yourself too quickly with other people, lying, feeling as if you have no needs or being needless, feeling as if you have no desires or dreams, being wantless, self-harming as a, a way to self-soothe, sabotaging yourself and your relationships and things in your life. Overspending money that you don't have to fill up a hole inside of you. Projecting mind reading on what others think or feel about you. I used to do this a lot where I'd be like, they would do something dysfunctional and unhealthy because I was in unhealthy relationships. And then I would mind read, oh, they're doing it because of this. This is the reason why they're doing it. Well, that's not really your place to like mind read and like think that you know. Yeah, it was unhealthy for them to do that, but you can't make up a story you know, storyline, that's theirs. And you just have to put up your boundary for yourself, you know. Um, using drugs and alcohol, food, pills, weed, or other substances to escape or cope. Pushing emotions down until they manifest as anxiety or depression. Seeking attention. Um, sneaking around. Hiding. Literally hiding. <laughs> um, overworking. Overcompensating. Bullying others. Checking, checking out, like just checking out, just not being there mentally and emotionally. Playing the victim for attention, feeling less than, feeling greater than, so kind of being arrogant, right? Making yourself smaller so that you can feel bigger. Okay, making yourself smaller so you can feel bigger. Oh, interesting. Um, getting bigger so others feel smaller. I used to do that a lot. Like, I'd be like, oh, let me show you how big I can be. They used to call it my, um, my, uh, Lakeisha because I would literally, they said that I would just get like all crazy on people. Like when I was younger, right? Um, I'd be like, oh, you want to, you want to go? You want to step? Okay, here, let's go. Right. But that's not okay. Right. Like that's dysfunctional. That's not healthy. And, um, Yeah that's, it's not good for you or for your relationships. Okay. Attacking, um, others out of anger because of the shame that you feel, um, overcompensating, pretending to have it all together, but feeling like an imposter, rebelling at, um, authority or those who you think are trying to control you, yelling, feeling responsible for everything bad that happens, getting lost in self-loathing, avoiding conflict, saying, I'm sorry a lot, giving your power away, making everyone else more important than you, enabling others destructive habits and avoiding real discussions. I used to do that a lot. I used to avoid, avoid, avoid. I'm working really, really hard these days to not avoid when people are disrespectful of me. Um, trying to be a peacemaker, um, acting as a caretaker, um, being a fixer, um, getting really loud or demonstrate, um, yeah, getting really loud or demonstrating um, 
to others that you're, you know, that you're so big um, so that others can hear and see you. Um, ignoring others so they don't hurt you. Giving too much or too little. Ignoring your gut reaction and intuition. Doubting yourself. Being impulsive. Being irrational. Being moody. Brooding. Throwing temper tantrums. Being clingy. Pushing away. Whining. Being sarcastic. Um, escaping through pornography or masturbation. Using sex, shopping, or other activities to avoid your feelings. Um, wanting to escape. Saying that you just wish that you were dead, but not really wanting to die. Um, wanting to be out of your pain. Being greedy. Gambling. Feeling anxious. Changing yourself for someone else's comfort. I think a lot of people do that. Um, being overly controlling. Our society is overly controlling. It's crazy how much control, 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 control everybody is trying to do in this, in this world. Manipulating others. It's, I see it every day on a regular basis. Um, being obsessive, being petty. So there you go. Those are impulsive um, reactions to things. And, and so, like I said, make a list for yourself of what you're being triggered by, how you're being triggered, what your responses are. Like if you're manipulating, if you're trying to control and really think past the surface, right? Because I know your intention is not to be those things, but really you'll have to look at it and dig deep and say, am I manipulating someone here? Like, am I being honest? So lying is a form of, of control. Okay. It's a form of manipulating someone. Like I need to control the situation and their perception of what, what they think of me. So I'm going to lie about the truth, right? I'm not going to be honest because if I'm honest, they, they might not love me. Well, you can't control if people are going to love you or not. Right. So just really be truthful with yourself when you're doing this process and be kind to yourself and just know that it's okay. Like we all have this, every single person there is not, if there's one person on this planet that is saying that they don't have any wounds or problems lying to themselves, like that's what we come to earth to experience. So we all have problems. Everybody just has different set of problems in different areas and just love on yourself and know that you can overcome anything that you want to and you want to live your best life and things that are not feeling good to you on the regular or even in just a, in extreme situations, then, you know, like, let's go ahead and heal that. Let's bring that to the light. Right. Okay. So once you make that list, um, you know, let's take a minute. So with that list, um, don't feel bad if it's long. Mine was super long too. Don't even worry about it. Um, then you're going to go ahead and you're going to review some healthy responses, right? Because I really feel like our, since our world and our societies and cultures are just so wounded, we like monkey see monkey do, right? Like we're not even really having many examples of healthy responses, right? Um, so let's go over and kind of review some of the healthy responses together, right? But also know that um, you know, you'll, you have a desire like right away, like immediately every time, like I would like yell in front of my kids or I would act pissed or whatever, or I was trying to control something, right? Every single time I always felt instant like shame or regret. And that comes from the fact that you have a desire, a desire to act different, right? You have a desire to to have a healthy emotional response, right? And I think that naturally you could probably just, so right next to your list of like your triggers and your unhealthy responses, then like in another color pen or whatever, write what you, what your healthy response, what you desire your healthy response to be. Um, and he puts a tiny little list is definitely not as big as the impulsive a list because I think that we can kind of gather what's functional and dysfunctional, right? Like, I don't think that we have, I don't think humans have such a hard time like identifying because you can feel it. Like we all have feelings when someone is dysfunctional to you, you feel it. Like, you know, you're like, Oh, that pissed me off. Or, Oh, I feel not enough right now. Oh, I'm going to go binge eat in the kitchen because I feel like shit because my friend was just an ass to me. You know what I'm saying? It's like stuff like that. Like you have all of those like, like flags. Like, so it's not that we don't know how we want to be treated, right? We want someone to respect us. We want 
to have healthy, happy relationships. Like we want, like when, when stress arises, I want to be able to be like the calm adult and be like, it's all right. The bus, we might not make it to the bus. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. We got this right. Even if we miss the bus, we're saying I drive you to school, you know, not a big deal. We got this right. Okay. So recognizing, so this is the list for some healthy res emotional responses. So you just kind of get a gist. Okay. So we're going to review this list and then I'm going to have you map out on your list what you, you, what some healthy responses you hope to move into. Okay. So recognizing the healthy and positive actions and choices you need to help you through your day. Right. I'm um, acknowledging the friends who are good for you and encourage you. So this is really, really important. And you know, back when we were young, it was like adults would always say to us, um, it's, you know, like your friends really make up who you are. And like, like parents didn't want us to hang, be hanging out with bad friends, right? Making bad choices. It's so true as an adult, like your friends represent you, whether you like it or not, because you're actually vibing on their energy, right? And if you are having people that, you know, are not inspiring you and you're constantly having to, um, you know, feel uncomfortable or you're constantly having to, um, you know, like kind of question in your mind, like, do they really like me even like, or, you know, or, or, you know, whatever it is for you. Like there's, there could be a million like examples, but what I'm saying is know that that is super duper important because who you surround yourself with is actually what you become. Right. And not to say that you're going to be exactly like your friends, but you, that is like everything in your life is an extension of your energy. So like even your home, right? If you have a really messy home, you know what that says? There's a lot of mess in internally for you, right? Um, and it's true. Like we are outside reality as a reflection of like the inner energy with inside of ourselves. Um, so friends are something to be really like, not picky necessarily, but like, yeah, like love your, love the crap out of yourself and know that you should feel like you should have good, healthy, happy relationships with people that you connect with at a deep level with people that praise you for being you, that people that can't stop talking good behind your back that are like literally like so in love with who you are and think you're just the most amazing thing. That's the kind of friends that you should have because that's how you should feel about yourself, right? And if they're not, like if they're the person that can disrespect you and not show up to, um, you know, like, like if you have like a birthday party or something and, you know, yeah, things happen, but you know, the way people treat you, if they don't show up and then they don't give you like, oh, I'm so sorry. I couldn't make it because of whatever, right? When they had promised they were going to make it, that right there is, is they're just not respecting you. They, you, they could care less. Like you're, you're not a, you're not some, someone that they're excited about. Right. And that's okay. But that doesn't need to be someone you invest your time into. Right. It's really important. Okay. Respecting yourself and your decisions. Recognizing when relationships are reciprocal and when they are not, right? Are you showing up to their birthday parties, right? Are you showing up to really important events in their life, right? Um, knowing that you make the best choices, um, best choices possible each day, even if you're not perfect, right? Everybody's doing the best that they can, to be honest with you. Um, but like the level of health that you are, that's the level of health that you need to surround yourself with. Because if not, you can't get sick enough to help the sick. You got to be healthy, right? To be able to help anybody. Okay. Um, loving those parts of yourself that still need care. So they will heal asking for, um, for help from others, practicing good self care by getting extra rest when you need to, or participating in hobbies or sports and um, as a way to relax yourself being emotionally uh, vulnerable with others whom you can trust. It's important. Um, connecting with family and friends who help and um, help you feel whole. Discerning who or what is working for you and who or what is working against you. Super important stuff. Okay. Um, so, like I said, um, now that we've seen like some really 
um, important healthy emotional responses to, you know, to everyday life. Um, now you can kind of go off of those and like make, make what you want your responses to be, right? Make what you, if you just had a magic wand, what would, um, how would you be reacting to those situations? Um, would you, how would the situation be, right? If you could just magically make it that way. Okay. Um, and then since we've kind of like established what your triggers are, then it's kind of opens like Pandora's box a little bit, right? And it, um, helps you create a childhood trauma timeline, right? And now this is where you kind of get into the thick of it all, because this can be kind of a daunting task. And you do have to, for this part, portion, you really do have to sit down by yourself somewhere where you're going to be uninterrupted. Um, I gave myself like, I think like 30 minutes to an hour to just sit and really contemplate this. Um, and you know, stuff came up for me that I actually didn't really even recognize were traumas that now that I'm as an adult, I look back and I'm like, holy crap, that was really unhealthy. And like the way that that person treated me and acted like it was completely normal. I never looked at that situation ever once in my life as like a really awful, yucky situation. And now I'm an adult and I'm like, if someone were to tell me that happened to them, I would be like, what the F, right? Like that isn't okay. It was not okay for them to just pretend and blow it off. Like it was all right, you know? Um, and that really is where now as an adult, like I struggle with speaking up for myself now, like when I was younger, I used to spout off and be in people's faces. But now as an adult, like, um, I had too many trauma events in my childhood and young adult life where people, um, gaslighted me, right? They, they made it like, oh, like their dysfunction wasn't, wasn't a thing and they didn't need to apologize. They didn't, we didn't need to talk about it. We didn't need to bring it up. And so then I got into that routine of really just, um, not saying anything like, like as if I wasn't worth, I'm not an equal player in the relationship enough to be able to speak up and say boundary. Um, I feel really icky when you ditch on me. I feel really, really icky when you say you're going to come to a, a, you know, a party of mine and you don't show up and then you don't even say anything about it. You know, like you just act like, oh, no big deal. I was working. Oh, well, let me know that you're not going to be there. And that's okay if you're not going to be there. Like if you're working, cool. But you need to like, you know, express that to me, right? Um, that It's dysfunctional to um, do those kinds of things to people. And it's disrespectful. And, and that's the thing is you have to start to recognize people for their behaviors, not for what you hope that they, you know, would act towards you. Okay. So the childhood trauma timeline. So one, there's a few things that he says to remind you not to do when you're doing this work is don't discount or minimize trauma, traumatic experiences. Try really hard to be honest. Okay. Um, don't normalize that normal. Because honestly, I think that's what we do on the regular is we're like, um, because you know, we're children. And so we want to think that our parents are normal and we want to think that our parents are okay. And so we, we, we try to make unhealthy things help like, like, oh, it's normal. Like everybody has that when sometimes, um, or even if it's on like majority of people are doing it, if it's dysfunctional, it's dysfunctional. It doesn't matter if a lot of people are doing it. Right. Um, I don't care if a lot of people let their kids watch the music videos that are pretty much porn on, you know what I'm saying? Like half naked women, you know, rubbing themselves on a chair and talking, you know, like the way that they talk. I don't think that's, even if it's on the regular that everybody's doing it and letting their kids watch it. I don't think letting our children watch pornographic films is normal. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's healthy. Right. You know? And so that's what they're talking about. Normalizing the abnormal. That's not, don't do that. Right. Even if a lot of people are doing it that you know of, just because a lot of people do it does not make it normal and okay. All right. Um, protecting others, right. Um, we don't need to be protectors and shielders of anybody, like especially our parents, that, that comes up a lot for people. Um, just because you're being aware of their unhealth doesn't mean that you don't love them any less. It doesn't mean that you can't sympathize and be empathetic with like, you know, they had, they had stuff in their childhood, right? They had wounds from their childhood. They were doing the best they could with what they were given. We know all that stuff. So let's just be really honest. Don't, don't protect other people during this. It, this is about healing you and this isn't about anybody else. Okay. Um, do not deny the, that healing is possible. Don't be like, oh, well, I can never heal this for myself. You, you can do anything that you really want to in this world. So give that up 
and and you wouldn't be here listening to this podcast. You'd probably have already turned it off already if you were in that state of mind anyways, right? Um, and avoiding, don't avoid b- bad memories from yourself. Um, I think I used to do that. Like, um, I don't think, I know. <laughs> um, because they were too painful for me um, to deal with at the time of being a child, right? So I would... I would avoid them like the plague. And then when I started doing this work, I had to reopen them again. I had to go back and say like, this person took this from me physically and it hurt. Like, and it scarred me emotionally. Right. So you be, be honest and don't avoid the things that are painful. But like I said, in the very beginning, um, if you feel like you need some assistance, um, if they're really super traumatic things, I really think that that's a great, um, I think that use those resources that we have on earth. Like there's healers out there that can help you. Right. So, so find them and use them. Okay. So, so when you're making your timeline, just go through and literally I started from like my very earliest memory, um, and just went through and thought about like all the different things and like your core memories, you're going to remember like nobody's business. You're going to remember smells. You're going to remember sights, like colors, like everything that was happening. And those are ones to pay attention to the most because those are usually the ones that have like the most dysfunction in them. And the reason why you have so much clear clarity on the memory is because your, our brains actually do this thing, right? Where it tries to remember it so much so that if we ever have anything like it again, that we can survive because it's a survival tactic of our, our human bodies and brains. Okay. Um, so, so write that, write it down and go, like I went through all through my twenties too, because, um, there was a lot of, I mean, we grow so much and like shape so much through those years that people don't even realize they think like, Oh, you're 18 year adult, like move on. And actually it's not like, um, they're actually really still kind of like, they're fragile. They're still learning. They're still babies. Like I even know, um, you know, my stepkids, like I'm watching them and they're still learning so much. They're still like, you know, trying to figure out their life. And, and it's true, you know, you, you don't stop growing. And I think those years are actually really, really impressionable and form, form a lot of who you become as an adult, um, in those like early twenties and things. So don't skip over those. Cause they might have some good stuff for you too. Um, and then there's one thing that I did want to go over, um, uh, when like you're thinking, I thought this was so beautiful. It's kind of short and sweet. Um, when you're doing this childhood trauma timeline thing, one exercise that you can do, cause kind of sometimes it can get really emotional or it can get intense, like thinking about these really horrible things, you know, this trauma, right. Bringing it back up memories, right. Um, so one of the things that you can do, it's called your, um, your treasure chest, So, um, essentially what you do, it's kind of like a visualization meditation and I'll just walk you through it. Uh, I'll just read what he says. I want to teach you a meditation and visualization technique that is useful for when you bring up emotionally heavy parts of your past as you did in the last exercise. Picture all of the things that you have been thinking about from your childhood. All of the emotional wounding events that you are conscious or in your conscious mind. Imagine these events scattered out on the floor like little treasures. As you begin to connect to them, remember that you are discovering a lot of emotion that is packed within each situation. Picture a treasure chest on the floor along with all the scattered childhood memories. The treasure chest is a safe cocoon that will hold all of these emotionally laden events so that you don't feel like you are um, walking around with an open and exposed with raw emotion, right? Like we don't want you to feel like, Oh my God, like now I've opened this and, and now it's just like, it's everywhere and it's messy and like, I don't know what to do with it. Right. So this is kind of a good visualization to know that like you can rein it back in. Like it's not just going to be open exposed. You're going to do this activity, but we can like hone it back in. Right. It will magically expand to hold everything that, um, you will be putting into it. Right. So that we're going to put those memories into the, the treasure. Oh, why can't I say that treasure chest? (laughs) Okay. Pick up and hold a memory. So pick up one of your memories, right? Like you might have one on the top of your head right now. You can do this right now as I'm talking, pick it up and thank it for being in your life. I get emotional thinking about that. It really hits home because it's 
It's true. We need to be grateful for even the hard things in our life. Um, even if it was painful to go through when you were younger, it's still a treasured part of you because all of you is treasured. I'm going to repeat that. It's still a treasured part of you because all of you is treasured. That's really, really powerful. It's really, really important for you to remember that and know that and know that like nothing happened that you couldn't go through. You went through every single thing because you could handle it. And as an adult, you are still today handling everything, no matter how messy things get, you are there and you are handling it. Okay. So hold this memory, thank it and place it in your treasure chest. And you can do that with all the things that come up and it's a really good, healthy visualization. And like, it really helps you to keep you feeling safe and, um, practicing, you know, um, you know, good awareness that, that sometimes we need those kinds of things, right? We need to do those exercises so that we don't get lost in the density of it all, right? We don't get lost in feeling like we're so abnormal, feeling like we're so lost, feeling like we're so messed, right? And dysfunctional, right? You are perfect just the way you are and always becoming more. And you're here listening to a Love Yourself podcast episode. And you've gotten this far into an amazing episode, 45 minutes to be exact. <laughs> okay. And that means that you are a powerful survivor that is doing some really powerful healing work here. So know that and be thankful for that. And, but be thankful for the parts that are dark too, right? We need to accept it all. We need to like be loving of all of us, not just the good parts. Okay. Okay, continue to put your emotional memories into the treasure chest one by one until you have gathered them all. Once they are all in the chest, close the lid. Put the treasure chest in a safe place inside of you. Know that when it is time and right, for, you will open it again and gently bring these emotional memories out if needed. In time, you will be healing the emotions that are wrapped around each of the more painful events. But for now, keep them in a safe place so that you can begin to feel whole again as you do this healing work. Whew, so powerful. Okay. Then the next thing. So after you have your timeline written, right, you're going to go through your timeline, right? And you're going to see different ages and different events. So make sure you're putting your age and then the event that occurred, right? Um, and then after you have all this, you know, these big events that you're like looking at kind of like a bird's eye view, right? Of like your upbringing of like, my dad left me at this age, right? And fucking sucked. Um, my, my mom got depressed at this age and locked herself in the room most nights and I ate dinner by myself. Okay. Um, all those, whatever it is for you. Okay. You have this big bird's eye view. Now you're going to go through and you're going to scale your events. You're going to scale your events from, um, intensity from like one to three being like really low intense. Like when you think about that memory today, it doesn't really bother you. Right. Um, um, then you'd be like, Three to six would be like when you, when you think about the memory, it bothers you. But if, um, but it doesn't like, it's not something that, um, like is like stuck in you and like stuck in your habits or, or, um, you might not know if it's stuck in your habits yet. Cause it's kind of something that you unwind late a little bit later, but, um, but it's not something that you, you, um, would think about regularly and it's, and it doesn't, it's not something that super, it's not like you get so stressed when you think about it. It's just really, it's kind of uncomfortable to think about, but it's not like something that's like overwhelming to you. And then, um, I'd say six to 10 is the range where it's like really intense. Um, where it's something that you, you still today even think about, like it actually, like it's, I know, I remember there was like this, like, um, time in my life where, um, I was being made fun of and, I would think about that memory all the time. I mean, I'm not joking. Like I kept that through majority of my life where I, I would literally think back on it. And it was like, I was reliving it over and over and over again, probably a, more than a million times, maybe a billion times. So just know that, you know, those are like the deep ones, the core ones. Right. And then once you've scaled them, kind of like marked them up, like, okay, which ones are more intense for me? Like which ones bring up deeper emotions, which ones are like hard for me to handle. Right. Um, then you can kind of see 
through your theme, like you, and you'll be able to see the themes of like things through your life. Like this happened when I was like three, but then it also kept reoccurring. Like, you know, like maybe it like happened with like different people in my life and it was just like a theme, right? So like the type of thing is a theme to think about. Um, then also like how big the numbers are, right? Um, it, are there certain ages where the numbers are really big or it's condensed with a lot of stuff at, at seven, age seven or whatever it is, right? So what you're going to do from like that scaling process is kind of just to get more of like more engrossed in like, okay, what age was really, really hard for me? Like what age did I like really have to just survive, right? Was it age eight? Was it whatever? So he, the author talks about it being like one age that you pick. For me personally, I picked several ages and I picked because there was like several different parts of my life that were like really traumatic. So like 11, um, and 13. And then again, when I was a teenager, like when I was like 15, 16. Um, so I picked like three different ages. You can do whatever is easiest for you. Right. And then once you have that, um, that age, right. Or the ages, like in my example, um, then you're going to go ahead and you're going to start writing letters to your inner child. And this is where the really, it's like really healing. Okay. Um, so essentially, again, you're going to need some time and space where you're not interrupted. Um, and I wanted to read to you one of his letters so that you can kind of get like a, how to go about this. Um, so where is that? Okay. So, okay. So this is his example. Um, so the first letter you're going to do is going to be from your wounded age, whatever age that was like the most, con you know, like the, either the, the core worst memories, like the highest scales or, um, the most like in that time. So whatever age that is for you, you're going to write from that age to yourself and you're just going to with, you can do it with pen and paper or you can just do it on your computer. I did it on my computer. Um, but this is his example. So dear adult me, I am 10 years old. And I'm feeling overwhelmed and sad. Mother and father keep fighting every night, it seems, and I don't know what to do. I'm really feeling lost. I'm tired, scared, and my tummy hurts. I've tried to be good, even perfect sometimes, but that doesn't help. I feel like giving up or running away because I don't know what to do with everything I feel. I watch to see uh, what their moods are like and try not to do or say anything that will upset them. But it is confusing because sometimes they are loving and fun, but other times they are upset with each other and yell at me. Sometimes I want to scream at all of this, and other times I just want to be invisible. It doesn't make sense to me, and I go to my room and cry into my pillow because I don't want anyone to see me. I just want to go away and hide from this. It's just too much and I don't know what to do, and I feel hurt and lonely now, and I feel all alone, and I feel like no one is ever going to love me, and I don't feel lovable because I am doing something wrong, and they are upset, and I am sad, and I am angry. So that was the example to show you, and for me, when I when I did this exercise, like this part, um, there was things that, that came up that, that like, like I started writing, right, about the memory, and then it was like almost like she, like my inner child took over and she started telling me things that I guess I didn't even really recognize, right? Like things that she did to cope, right? And then I recognized and I could kind of link it together with like how I like deal with myself now, right? Like, and it's because she's taking over. She's representing me that when times are getting stressed, she's stepping in and taking the reins when she shouldn't be taking the reins. I'm the adult. I need to be in, in control. I need to be in the reins of my, you know, emotional responses. Right. Um, and just let her be the kid and I get to, I get to be the fun mom now. Right. And take care of her and the responsible mom and the loving mom, the mom that I always desired and wished that, you know, for, um, not to say that my mom wasn't amazing because she was, she was so amazing, so wonderful, so kind, so loving, but there are, there are gaps that are things that I needed individually that she just couldn't provide. And that's okay. Like there's no blame, right. Or shame there. Like there's, there's things that I don't give to my kids or gaps for my children that I probably have no idea, even idea about, right. You know, it's, that's just how it goes. Right. Um, okay. So, so that's the letter. And then 
write the letter back to them, right? And um, it's really like, so then like here, I'll just give you, cause it's, I'll give you like the part of it. So I won't read the whole thing cause it's kind of long, but just so you can get an idea of how to write back, then respond and like identify and like make them feel heard, you know, like make them like what you would say to a little kid that's saying those things. Right. So he says, dear little Bobby, I love you so much. And I'm so proud of how hard you have worked to try to make things better for mom and dad and your sister. I know that things are really confusing for you right now. So like kind of like, um, make them feel heard, make them feel like seen, right? Um, as much as I know that you want to fix everything and make it all better and be perfect, that's not your job. So remind them of the truth. Like remind your inner child that like you don't have to be perfect, you know, um, to be loved, right? Your job is to be a 10-year-old little boy and a big brother to your sister, to go out and play with your friends, to do your chores and feel your freedom. Mother and father and the entire family love you more than you know and more than they are able to express at this time. Um, when you feel lost, tired, and sad, know that I see you as a perfect, whole, and complete little boy. Even though you feel lost, you are part of a big, loving family that is sometimes kind of wacky, <laughs> but there is a lot of love there. And remind them of the truths, right? Because as an adult, you can see the truths. As a kid, you didn't know if you were loved. You didn't know why your dad left. You didn't know why your mom would freak out when things would go wrong because you hadn't been in those moments as a parent of trying to get through the day, right? It's stressful sometimes. Um, I want you to know that dad yells at you from his pain and fear. He does not know how to express his feelings in a good way. And then when he drinks too much, he gets loud and scary. Just know that he loves you and that when you get older, you're going to be able to appreciate and receive his love and respect him for the man that he is. So I'm going to stop there. It goes on, but, but you can get like a really good, like example there, right? That this is truly, um, like you validate them, um, but offer the real truth of the situation, you know, and then, and just, and remind them how amazing they are. Cause that's what we were looking to our caregivers for. We were looking to make sure that we were enough, that we were lovable. And sometimes things happened where we got the wrong messages, right? We got the message that we weren't enough, that we weren't lovable because we didn't know that, you know, so-and-so was an alcoholic and they couldn't be around us, right? Like we, those things we couldn't know as a kid, right? So, um, yeah, so that's how you do that. And let me tell you this. So they talk about, um, that you should do this probably like the, the minimum, like five to six times back and forth. Right. Um, me, I do it on the regular now and I talk to like, I'll come up with things like, Oh, I need to, I need to address this with my, my inner child. Like I need to address this age. Like, and I've gone outside of like the ages I told you about. And I'm like, I need to address this because like, I need to remind the younger me that it's like, it wasn't my fault. And like, I, I didn't deserve that. Like, you know, that's not, it was dysfunctional. I need to know the younger self needs to know that it was dysfunctional, but that, you know, I, I'm okay in the future. Right. And I've talked a lot in my letters about like how amazing my life is today. Um, because my younger self would always ask like, what is it like there? Like, what are you doing? You know, like how, who, how are you? Like, what is it? You know? And so I would tell her like, Oh my God, I'm living my best life. Like literally like the most amazing life that I could have, I couldn't even plan this. It's so amazing. Right. So, okay. Um, next, once you're done with that, um, another thing that the heal process goes into really in depth and we've gone on, their own episodes about boundaries. Every, like so many episodes, we've actually talked about boundaries. Boundaries are essential. You cannot like love yourself without healthy boundaries for those around you. Um, there's a whole section. I'm not going to get into boundaries too much because we've done our own podcast on that. So if you need to listen to the boundaries podcast, go ahead and check that out. But, um, like I said, this book has an amazing chapter on boundaries and it, I had already done so much work on my boundaries it, myself. And then this kicked it into like, like so much depth that wasn't even funny. And now I'm like really doing such an amazing job with boundaries. The one thing that I will say on this podcast episode about boundaries, um, that is really that he does a really good job of explaining Robert does is okay. So a boundary, essentially what a boundary is, is that it's a giving a voice to your emotions, right? So something happens and you feel discord, right? You feel negative about it. And so the first part of the boundary is expressing inside yourself, giving your, giving it like a voice and saying, 
when so-and-so does this, I feel, and then expressing to yourself, like, I feel angry, I feel disrespected, I feel blah, 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 okay? Then the second part of a boundary is actually, like, making it an external boundary, right? So recognizing that and, and knowing, like, how it feels and, when it, and it, knowing it doesn't feel good, then going out and the external part of the boundary is saying, okay, since blah, 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 like, for example, since my friend um, ditches on me constantly, you know, and it makes me feel like I'm not, you know, like worthy enough of their friendship or that they don't value me as a friend because they're always ditching out on our plans. Um, then you say, okay, well, I'm going to say that um, I'm not going to um, entertain, you know, like um, request to hang out unless you're really serious, like unless you can be really serious about it. I'm not going to entertain just like, oh, maybe I can, like, if you can or you can't, like, you need, you need to, like, be serious about that with me. And I can, I'm only going to entertain really serious requests to, for my time because my time is valuable, right? And that's the external boundary, laying that out for someone, expressing that to them verbally. Um, don't expect that everybody's just going to jump on board with your boundaries because let me tell you, like attracts like. So if you are living where you recognize that there's a lot of unhealth on like, you know, like in your relationships, don't expect those people that are unhealthy to jump up and be like, Oh yay. Yeah. Let me just be healthy all of a sudden. No, they're unhealthy because <laughs> you know, you're doing unhealthy behaviors by enabling them to be unhealthy. Right. Um, and they're probably going to give you a lot of pushback and just know this. He says a really good thing in there, like in that chapter about boundaries of that, the, dust will settle eventually. Like, so you're going to put up these boundaries. People are going to freak out. Some people are not going to be okay. You're going to have to probably maybe put some distance between you for a while. If they are meant to be in your life, anybody who's meant to be in your life, or if they're have any ounce of health in them, they will bounce back. And let me tell you this. I've had like several people where I've been like, okay, here's the boundary. I feel this. I feel scared when you do this behavior and I'm just checking like, because it scares me. This is, um, people do this to me and, um, then they usually walk out of my life or whatever. Right. Right. And then, so like, if you express that boundary to someone and you share that, I notice that the healthy people, they have no problem. They're like, Oh my God, honey. They're like so empathetic. And they're like, I would never want you to feel like that. And that's how you can, it's like ding, 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 healthy. I would never want you to help be, you know, feel that way. Like, Oh my gosh, you know, let me, you know, like totally like, let me be on guard with that. I'm going to be really conscious to like how I respond to you because I know that's hard for you. Right. That's a healthy response. An unhealthy response is going to be someone like, I don't do that, you know, like, or getting, Oh, we need a break. Oh, Oh, we need a break. Okay. Well, let's just break this off because, because, um, you, you can't go backwards on your boundaries. Once you set them, the internal and external boundaries, and once you set that, if you go back on them, people just know that they have to push on you to push you over and to get what they want. And the people that are getting upset are the people that have benefited from you not having any boundaries at all. They benefited from you being abusive to yourself. Okay. Okay. So that's all I'm going to talk about boundaries though, because this is not just about boundaries, right? Right. But that's a really important part too. Okay. So next, um, is to, um, to make a couple lists of that are really important. So go through and make a list on how do I want to show up for me? Right. Because being authentic is like really knowing like how you want to show up in this world. Um, but then make another list of how do you want to show up for other people? Right. Um, and then how do I want my life to transform? Like how do, how, where do I, you know, where is my life currently, but where do I want it to, you know, be different and make those lists so that you can be aware of what you are actually, um, like the, the places that you want to go and the, the changes that you want to make. It really has helped me. And it's part of this heal process and it's amazing. Um, and then and the, the thing kind of towards the end of the book that he talks about, which I thought was really, really important is, you know, he says, how do you know if you're healing? And people ask him that as, you know, the, the therapist and stuff, how do I know if I'm healing? Um, and he says that when things don't start like trigger you like they used to, right? When things don't feel like such an extreme emotion and I'm starting to feel that in my life where it's like people will do things and 
I don't feel like, I remember I used to, it used to feel like for me, like it, I would feel like a lot of like tense or stress in my um, throat or my throat chakra essentially, or right in my chest. Like it'd feel like a nasty feeling in my chest. Like all the energy would just feel like, ugh, right? When someone would do something really wrong and nasty and disrespectful to me. Now I don't have those like strong, deep emotions. I'm not so reactive to it. I'm more of just like, like, oh, here we go. Like this is someone who, you know, I'm growing pains. I'm growing out of them. And I just have to be like, hold space for them and move on and, you know, set my boundary and be like, I can't participate in this anymore. So, but no, no problems. Just move on sister. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so one thing to think about is don't worry if at first your life is like, starts to get like in disarray. Um, that's a normal when you're doing this kind of work, right? Um, it's really normal to have that. Um, and I think that a lot of people get really scared when they start doing healing work. Um, and they start, um, feeling like, uh, like, oh my gosh, my life looks so crazy. Or like, I'm losing all these relationships because I'm putting up boundaries and like, that doesn't feel cozy to me. Or like, uh, you know, or the toxic relationships. Yeah, they were toxic, but they were my toxic relationships. They were my cozy place. They were my people, right? Um, just know that you're going to have change and it's going to sometimes get messy before it's like, it's like the storm before like rebuilding. Right. Um, and you just have to know with yourself that that's okay. Right. That that's what the, this process is. Love yourself enough to know that you can go through that and that you can lose people. And it's, it's unfortunate. Right. But you have to love yourself first. Right. And that's what this, all this is about is loving yourself is like, wanting to live a good life where you're healthy for not only just yourself, but every person that you are connected to. And, and I think that's the thing is sometimes like we want to like put other people's needs above our own and like, say like, I want to do this for my kids. Well, that's great. But really in the end, like you should want to do this most for you. And that's, you're the primary person. So, so love yourself and, and, and do this work because you know that you're worth it. You know, you know that um, moving past all your pain is essential. And it's like the main ingredient to living a good life, to living a life that you have healthy relationships in, that you find who you are, that you find what you love to do every day. You wake up every day where you're like, I get to do this again, right? That's the goal. That's the key. Okay. Well, I hope you had a wonderful time and I hope that, you know, you, um, enjoy, this, this heal process, like I said, it's kind of daunting, but like, like I said, for me, it was only a few months and it has literally changed my life. Um, again, if you want to run out and grab the book, because it's really, really an amazing book to like work through, um, it's healing your lost inner child by Robert Jackman. All right. Okay. Well, take care of yourself and don't forget, love yourself. Bye. Mm -hmm.